0: Our scripture lesson today is Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20, found on pages 173 and 174 in the Old Testament part of the Pew Bible. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity, death and adversity. you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I am commanding you today by loving the Lord your God, walking in his ways and observing his commandments, decrees and ordinances, then you shall live and become numerous and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to possess. If your heart turns away, and you do not hear, but are led astray to bow down to other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall perish. You shall not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live loving the Lord your God, obeying him and holding fast to him. For that means life to you and length of days so that you may live in the land that the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. Good
1: morning. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The photograph uh, on the cover of your bulletin is by a young artist from the UK named Ollie Kellett. And Kellett has won prestigious awards for his captivating Edward Hopper-like photographs of urban landscapes. Kellett's recent exhibition titled Crossroads captures ordinary passers-by waiting at intersections. And the piece on our cover is titled, Crossroad Blues. And Kellett says this about it, quote, According to legend, Robert Johnson, the Delta Blues mu- musician, met the devil at a crossroads outside Memphis and sold his soul in exchange for his musical talents. He was forever plagued despite his success. Kellett goes on to say, we live in an era of fake news, political polarization, and algorithmic echo chambers. Our experience of the world is fractured as we live out multiple identities, both on and offline. Crossroads are a democratic place. We all have to wait. Being held at a don't walk sign allows us a few seconds, occasionally a few minutes, to be with ourselves and ask ourselves, where do we come from and where are we going? End quote. The Israelites in our biblical story this morning could be subjects in a Kellet photograph because they too are waiting at a crossroads. The setting is this. The Israelites are perched on the edge of the promised land, listening to yet another of Moses' speeches. He has been delivering speeches to them throughout 40 years in the wilderness. On the mountain, they are in a don't-walk moment, facing the questions, where did we come from and where are we going? The wilderness has been for them basic training or a long boot camp in identity formation. Entering the promised land, they are expected to conduct themselves as God's people when they're there. Moses has reiterated the stipulations of the law, reminding them that when they enter the land, the Lord God will be their only God. They must not worship any other gods. They must not chase after shiny things. This is not a time for Moses to speak with subtlety or nuance. Here are the choices set before you, he tells them. Life and death, blessing and curse, good and evil. Service to the God of Israel yields life. Service to other gods yields death. Moses lays it all out for the Israelites, and now the choice is theirs. Choose to walk in the ways of love or live with the consequences of your decisions. Choice implies a willful action And throughout our lives, we make choices that lead us to one course of action over another. In fact, our very lives are made up of the stuff of daily choices. Our lives are the sum total of the choices we make, some significant and most pretty ordinary. And all together, they tally up to who we are and who we're becoming A friend of mine says, follow a person's footsteps and they will lead you to what matters most to them. She says, look at a person's bank account, bank statement, and you will know what they value. And I say, look at a person's Netflix history and you'll (laughs) learn a lot too. Our choices leave tracks For good or ill, what we eat, what we wear, where we spend our money, with whom, and for how long we spend our time, what keeps us up at night, they all reveal a great deal about who we are. The freedom of choice, which defines our democracy, can be one at the same time bittersweet. It's a privilege to live with the liberty to make choices for ourselves. It's also frightening to be responsible for our own actions, which is what defines adulthood. Too many choices can be paralyzing. Just go to Target, too many cereals, too many mustards, too many shampoos. I stand there paralyzed, making a decision. And I was slow on the uptake as a young mother when I would ask my three-year-old daughter, Sophie, What do you want to wear today? (laughs) The stress-filled process of choosing which dress to wear would ensue. That was her dresses-only period. And I finally figured out it was best to offer her two options instead of a closet full of dresses. Paradoxically, freedom can come within limits. For example, when two persons make vows for marriage to one another for marriage, they've each eliminated the options of other spouses or different spouses, God willing. And within the boundaries of their marriage comes the freedom to learn to love themselves and to love one another without condition. Saying yes to the God of Israel was not a one-time decision for the people. If we fast forward into the promised land, once they're there, we find out that it was extremely hard for them to be faithful to the promise and that they would require regular moments of re-choosing and recommitting and reorienting and returning to the commitment to follow God, to choose life with God. And we ourselves come to church on Sundays, I hope, I trust, as a way to reorient or to recommit or realign ourselves toward a life with God. In community, we open ourselves up to what the gospel teaches about love, And we come to be challenged about the choices we're making in the world. Do we choose life? Do we keep choosing life? Covenant faithfulness is an orientation, an ongoing orientation toward love of God and love of neighbor. Moses here is asking the Israelites to turn their whole selves in the direction of God. They're one God. This orientation toward a life with God hinges for them on one essential precept around which the rest of the law is organized. The Lord is their only God to worship. And this idea is at the heart of the Shema, the Shema which comes at the beginning of Deuteronomy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and might. God's mandate to choose life is less a stern command than an appeal like a parent to a child. Love the Lord your God. Do what's right. Do what you've been taught. Be who you are. Do not be led astray by shiny things. Know what is good and just and pure and life-giving. How do we know if we're making right choices? How do we know if we are choosing life over death? Standing at the brink of the promised land, God cared most about how the people would treat one another once they were in the land. Because the law or the commandments are rooted in love. They were given to the people as a guidebook to show them how to be in relationship, how to love one another. The commandments are God's way of saying, you cannot survive without one another. Zen Buddhist monk Thich Nhat Hanh teaches on the art of interbeing or the art of interconnectedness or interdependence. Every time we eat a piece of bread, he says, we must acknowledge all the elements involved in the making in that single loaf, from the water and sun for the wheat's growth to the hands that farmed it, to the hands that rolled the dough and baked the bread, and the hands that brought it to our table. We do not live this life independent from one another. Your suffering impacts my suffering and your happiness impacts my happiness. The Apostle Paul exhorted the church at Rome by saying, Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another because when one suffers, all suffer. And sadly, we've gotten ourselves pitted against one another. We've entrenched ourselves into partisan camps, in political viewpoints, and disparate ideologies. We identify ourselves as red or blue or pro or anti. We choose argument over conversation. And these bifurcations threaten to destroy the fabric of our communities. God lays out again and again the choice we have to choose the way of life or the way of death. And unequivocally, we are to choose life. We have the bittersweet freedom to choose or not to choose to create a world in which life is good for all people. And as followers of Jesus, we have already made our choice to follow the one who came that all may have life and life more abundant. Jesus summarized the whole law, love God and treat your neighbors as you would have them treat you. Jesus came so that there would be a good life for the common good. For the next nine months, our diverse nation will be moving toward the November election. I feel a little anxious about that. I don't know if you do. We have to hang on to our hats, for the storm of hateful political machinations is brewing. And I suspect we all anticipate that our spirits will grow tired and weary, and we will need to find don't-walk moments to withdraw from our particular echo chambers, to be alone, to ask ourselves, where do we come from? And where are we going? As citizens, we have the bittersweet freedom to make serious choices about who we are and what kind of people we want to be. I set before you the ways of life and death, says the Lord. Therefore, choose life. Choose life, that is, for all God's children. We give thanks to God for continuing to guide us in these days. Amen.